Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And Allison Kitzman Silva. And it's three teachers talking uh, from across the globe. Um, and uh, yeah, today we have a special guest, uh, Professor Allison Kitzman, who's been teaching here in Mexico for two years at Arkansas State University. Hola. Uh, teaching English. <laughs> Buenos dias. Buenos tardes. Wait a second. So Arkansas State University in Mexico. Okay. That's kind of in interesting. In Querétaro, Mexico. Yeah. In Querétaro, Pretty, yeah. yeah. Hey, leave it to us to find a weird situation. <laughs> no comment there. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And so, yeah. So today we're going to talk about um, the differences uh, in teaching English in Japan, as we always do, uh, but also teaching English in Mexico. And um, the maybe surprising differences and similarities <laughs> um, uh, between the two. And uh, I think it should be some fun. Well, I think so, too. Yeah. So, um, Allison, you, you, we uh, moved here uh, more at Maso Menos, more or less, about two years ago. And uh, you've been teaching English uh, here at Arkansas State University, which is an American university with a branch here in Mexico. And it is, if I am understanding things correctly, pretty much a, a, a immersive experience. It is ostensibly <laughs> on the surface, on paper. Uh, everything is taught in English. Is that correct? Correct. Everything is taught in English. They get a double degree, and that means that we have had to be accredited both in the United States by Arkansas State University and the American Accreditation Associations affiliated with that, and with the Mexican SEP, which is their Ministry of Education. So we have strict rules that go for both <laughs> sides that are different. And um, in principle, yes, all classes are, are taught in English. However, I have to say that we really are an EFL uh, campus. Uh, after the pandemic, not a lot of uh, exchange students. So pretty much most people are either Mexican or Spanish speaking at least. And you get out in the halls and yeah, it's all Spanish. Well, that's, that, that by itself is not a big surprise. But we've got, um, you know, this is a multi-dimensional thing going on where, yeah, you know, English as a language, English, English-speaking countries as a culture, doing that in Japan, doing that here in Mexico, which is well, North America, Central America. Uh, but we were dealing with the overall cultural differences of for us, because we're all the three of us, we're all Americans. So, you know, just make it simple like United States, Japan, United States, Mexico, Mexico, Japan. Uh, that's a lot of balls to juggle right there. Uh, there there's the overall cultural differences. There are the cultural differences that are specific to education. Um, so, maybe just start off just general, like for you. And I know some of it is. It was very specific to the institutions 
themselves, not the cultures themselves, and not the countries themselves. So like, you know, the university that you were teaching at in Japan, uh, the university that you're teaching at here in Mexico, the institution differences, institutional difference are going to be really different. But were you, what was the biggest adjustment? What was the biggest shift that you had to make for yourself? Uh, probably just commuting by car. And not by train every day. <laughs> I know that's rather silly, <laughs> but um, let very me very real. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's more California than anything. Right? There we go. It is is far more American, um, but certainly different than most people's experiences in Japan. Let me just start, however, by saying or explaining a little bit about what I teach. Uh, mm. Before I was at Kindai University for twenty five years in uh, Higashi Osaka. And I taught business English, oral communication, uh, some culture classes, some business in English classes, quite a variety over my time there. I had predominantly freshmen, never had graduate students, but I did have third, uh, sorry, second and third year students uh, over my tenure there. Um, I had sports students, I had students from other departments, quite a wide variety. Here, uh, at this double diploma <laughs> university, I'm with the freshmen. I started out teaching uh, a support class for the Composition One, uh, and the what we started calling developmental, but I have since changed to success classes. And that is a pair of classes, reading and writing. Basically, is kind of transitioning the students into the university. It's not even uh, Comp 1 yet, uh, Composition 1 or Writing 101, depending upon how you call it in the States or Canada. Um, and these students are really kind of the ones who aren't really ready for school yet. Maybe they are, maybe their grammar just isn't so good or their writing isn't so good. Um, certainly their speaking is. And I have to say that one of my biggest uh, <clears throat> issues is their overconfidence. Often they come into my classes and they speak very well in English. Okay, they use a lot of gunnas, not like, like, like. <laughs> They're a product of their generation. But they can't write. And their grammar is really not that great. But they feel if they can talk, they're ready for university classes all in English. They're soon proven wrong. Ouch. <laughs> but those are my students. And I've actually taken myself down to teaching only those success courses. And I'm loving it. It's fantastic. But it is a very specialized kind of thing. Well, the dogs in the background seem like they agree. Oh, my gosh. They love us. <laughs> They're very happy today. <laughs> Yeah, actually, Allison, I'm thinking that's an interesting difference because most of uh, my students tend to have better reading or mm. reading skills and maybe writing skills. Indeed. I'm not sure, compared to speaking. And most of them are not overconfident with their speaking abilities. Exactly. Um, Tony and I are learning Spanish ourselves now, uh, and we completely can empathize and sympathize with the Japanese kids. We're, we're learning our Spanish, we're learning to read, we're learning the vocabulary, the grammar, but oh my gosh, we don't have anybody to practice it with. We don't talk at all. 
Um, that was Maybe very common. Maybe you need to be more friendly. Oh, me? <laughs> yeah. You and, oh, you and Tony. <laughs> do you guys, by the way, who, who's more friendly than I am? Right. <laughs> by the way, do, do you speak Spanish to each other sometimes? Un poco. <laughs> Nunca. <laughs> just very, very little. You know, just no. like the way we would kind of speak Japanese to each other, just like little, little jokes, you know, like that. But yeah. Okay. No, not really. We're no. both too otherwise preoccupied yeah. to, okay. to, to integrate so, that the language into our daily lives. So, Allison, I'm just curious. So, mm. your students come in to college with how many years of studying English? Uh, it's about the same as Japan, uh, but with our, with, with Mexico, not just my uh, particular situation, um, a lot of the students have lived in abroad, specifically America, or they have parents who've lived abroad, uh, we have to realize that there is a far smaller percentage of Mexican students, one, who even graduate high school, which is another cultural issue maybe we can talk about later. But poverty is a large issue in Mexico. So the fact that the students that we get probably have gone to private schools, um, here in Querétaro, we have a Finnish school, a Swiss school. We have two different French schools, a Canadian school, a German school, all of these things. And they all have their language. So they've all had English, some since kindergarten, but they might have had French since kindergarten and only English since high school. It's really a mixed bag. We do have some international students and we do have some returnees, meaning coming back to Mexico, having lived abroad for quite a while. And one good thing about those students, they really contribute to more of an ESL type of atmosphere when you can get those. Whereas a difference with Japan, those returnees might have felt more ostracized. And it was kind of a uh, detriment to be a returnee. So a lot of returnees or exchange students tried to blend in. Uh, here, they are celebrated. And so the English levels are very, very, very diverse. Um, but everybody can at least talk it. <laughs> well, that's so interesting in the sense of those words you used, right? Celebrated. The returnees yes. are celebrated. Yes. Um, they're um, embraced. Yes. And I only see that when I've taught, for example, I have an advanced, I have, some, I had some advanced classes, first year advanced classes, and always there would be one class with a high number of returnees and students who were educated in international schools. Right. And that was that dynamic was so different from the usual um, students. But I think it's, yeah, it's very, very interesting to see that reversed because it's so often it's the other way, right? Yeah. And like when you get to the the more advanced classes, as, as you just said, it's like when suddenly the, that that dynamic is like turned on its head, where people aren't ashamed of their English ability, but it becomes quite the a opposite. Yeah, and, right, exactly. And that's that's kind of one of the problems that we all have is that a lot of the freshmen, not just mine, again, I'm teaching those specialized, um, lowest level developmental type courses, but 
even the regular freshmen, their their English is a product of you know Netflix and Instagram and TikTok. They they talk like American teenagers, and they are just as ill prepared for university. <laughs> nice point. Okay, so in a certain way. That's a similarity. Most of the Japanese students I teach, I would say, are not really prepared for university, but for a different reason. Exactly. As we talked about before, right? Yes. That whole test preparation regime. Yes, exactly. Right. Right. Now, Here, there is so – sorry, just to interrupt, just to give a little background information. There is a national test like the university – tests uh, that we have in, in Japan. But here is called the Senaval. It is a federal test. It's kind of like a federal, not government. Um, it's a private company, I understand. Like, you know, the MCATs or the SATs or LSATs or any of those that, that you take for university in the States or grad school. Um, but my school, we didn't have those. We had an English test to get in. And that's just for admission. Once you're admitted, then we have a uh, placement test. But it's not just for English like language uh, as the admissions test is. It is an American uh, from the, what is it, the college board has created it. And it's a test of math and composition level English. Um, so they do have a test, but exactly what I interrupted you. I apologize. You were going to say here, we don't, they don't teach high school to the test. And that's a really big difference. Okay. And so when you say that the students are not really ready for prime time, ready for college, <laughs> yeah, yeah. can you tell us about the differences between the students you've been exposed to or that you've taught in Mexico and the yeah. students you, you taught in Japan, how are, the, how are they both not prepared for college? <laughs> well, uh, one of the biggest things, and it's, it's the same, right? People are people wherever you go. And the age, right? The, the maturity or <clears throat> lack of maturity. And one of the most specific things that I, I can probably point to is their lack of independence, their lack of autonomy. Not that they couldn't be that, but they don't have the skills for that. In Japan, for example, students live at home. There are no dormitories. Mom takes care of almost everything. And it's a nuclear family. Here in Mexico, it's very similar. Students generally don't live in dorms. They haven't had to be responsible most of their lives. Um, there's no expectation of that. Mom takes care of everything just the same. But here, the family is not nuclear. It's extended. And so that connection to family is far greater, that bond. And so to have them go away to a university elsewhere in the country and one thing I should note about my university is how far out in the countryside it is. We are in the boondocks and students stay in dorms by us and they've never been apart from their families. And certainly they've never had to do their own laundry or <laughs> those kinds of things. So our students are more homesick. Um, they're now in an all English environment. So in a way, it's more of like a an exchange 
or a foreign uh, study abroad experience for them, but they are equally unprepared with life skills, um, as is reported by by my colleagues and self-reported in the students' journals. <laughs> okay, but if we were to talk about specific classroom behaviors, mm. let's say learning skills, um, you know, Tony and I have talked about this, and anyone who's taught in Japan knows that yep. the concept of autonomous learning and being an independent yes. learner is something that these students have really not been exposed yes. to. Well, and they react, um, just for a second here, because I, I need to get this out of my system, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> is that, and they react really strongly to yeah. being required to yes. learn independently and think independently. And there's yes. that emotional response is, is, you know, it's a wide range. What about for you? How... How do you think it's different or similar in terms of – because you've said they're both not good at, or not prepared to be independent learners when they get to college. Right. Just just in general, they're, they're not for, for, for all life skills. And then, yes, you get them into the classrooms. And again, if we go back to the idea that in Japan, we often teach to the test. Here we don't. Um, and so – I feel that far more of the students here, and part of this I've been discussing with my colleagues is um, pandemic-related, but it's also a change in how students are getting information just in their daily lives. They're no longer file structures and folders. It's just, you know, search for whatever's, you know, I don't know. It's just changed so much since since we were kids. Um, they don't know how to take notes. And now that's always endemic in almost every learning situation I've experienced. But this is far greater. I teach them. I force my students to make notebooks and to take daily notes. And I tell them how to do it. I'm grading them right now. They're on our dining room table. It's our midterms. And they still struggle with things that the Japanese students would not struggle with. Japanese students are very organized. They're taught to colorize. They're taught to, you know, everybody marks where the clauses are in the sentences the same ways or similar ways. Um, cram school, Juku, has really trained them to be organized, if nothing else. Even if they're not critical thinkers, they are organized. The students here again, especially mine, but all of the freshmen don't have those, um, don't have that same training that Japanese students do. That's one major thing. Certainly teaching to the test is another. But the expectations for what school is, is also very different. Um, Far more students go to university or, or excuse me, I should even say far more students complete high school in Japan than in Mexico. Only 53% of 15 to 18, 18 year olds go to high school here in this, in the country of Mexico. So there's a far less percentage of students who even make it to university. The expectations at university are less known. Um, You can get jobs here without having a university career or diploma. And so 
the value of education and how students are trained is a third thing. And then just generally culture, they're not quite as tie-hen organized, (laughs) Um, as structured culturally. Uh, They're not as punctual culturally. Um, That manana, or actually it's not manana, but it's aurita uh, mentality, it's just more loose and fluid than Japan. And all four of those points really affect how the students, um, I would say their attitudes coming into the university. They just kind of are more carefree and are more willing to learn about life and experience other things. Um, Japanese students join a lot of clubs, so do ours here in Mexico. But in Japan, there's not a lot of girlfriend-boyfriend kind of things. Oh, here there is. So, yeah, a lot of expectations are different. I want to go back, Allison, to what you talked about with note-taking. Yeah. And it's interesting because I see my students are terrible at note-taking, my <laughs> Japanese students, even my advanced students. I mean, they're very yeah. good at marking things. Yes, but yes, yes. When it comes to actually note-taking, the idea, for example, that uh, I don't pass out PowerPoints, print printouts of mm-hmm. PowerPoint slides, and here are the class notes, for example. And I do that intentionally because I think, like you, focus a lot on note-taking and learning skills that are essential for life. They are terrible mm-hmm. at that. Even though I drill them on it, I'll have yep. to say, is this a new word? Is this a new idea? And they will resist the idea of note-taking. In fact, one time I uh, was really decided that I needed to teach them a lesson. And I said that there would be a test on an online article. And it was posted on a website that I had. And I said, it's going to be, the test will be about this article. And Mm -hmm. you should definitely take notes. And you can use your notes in the class for the test. And I closed off that article on, like, Saturday night yep. because I wanted to teach them that, hey, I know it was going to – I knew it – sorry, I knew it was going to happen is the students were going to write that, oh, I didn't take notes because I can always access the article. And I was uh-huh. trying to teach them that's not really true. So, yeah. you know, going back, it seems to me um, that the question for me – is that you're saying that your students don't take notes or they're not taught how to take notes yeah. when they come into school. Is that correct? Not the, correct. Not the way Japanese students are taught. Right. And I think you're right. It's not I, – I agree with you. The Japanese students don't write things down, but I think they don't necessarily understand critical – I mean, like the critical thinking aspect. They don't well, know what, what <laughs> to write. My students – I don't want to use the word lazy, but oops, I just did. <laughs> they, okay, but yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. I hit my microphone there. Sorry about that. Um, what I'm curious about, though, is let's say there's a different approach, different attitude towards note taking. Do you still get resistance in this way that I've described? Like my students really resist taking notes, except for a certain group who obviously understand what's going on. Yeah. Do you get resistance from your students to take notes? And is that resistance similar or different from what you experienced in Japan? It's very similar. They just don't. 
They just, they just I don't. mean, in, in one ear and out the other. You're looking at them. You're telling them, take notes. I'm going to grade you on your notes. I, I do somewhat similar things. I, I'll have an article up. It'll only be up for a few days. It's down. It's no longer available for the presentation or the test or whatever. And I say, well, it should be in your notes. And they go, uh-huh. Right. They look straight dead in the eye. And nope, not a note is on that paper right now as I'm grading them. <laughs> so they're very, very similar that way. And it goes back to maturity, I think, and age. And that's just physiognomy of, of people around the world at this age. Okay. In Japan, we talk about learned dependency. Oh. And, okay, I guess we're moving in a good direction then. <laughs> I guess it's the same. <laughs> Not a big difference there. And, um, it is. Right. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, could you elaborate on, you know, do you, know, do you see the same, like, learned dependency? Yeah, what, what are the differences? Well, yeah, yeah, how yeah. is it similar? How is it different? I, I love that phrase. Uh, I actually think that is one of the differences where, where the students, for the most part, who I taught in Japan and who I'm teaching now are mostly the same. But learned dependency is definitely different. Uh, the Japanese really have, they, they struggle with that. Here... Um, my students, mostly Mexican, they they are not they they are not yet capable of independence, independent living, and independent thought. It's not independent thought. They can definitely do that, but yeah, they're just not mature. But they're not dependent necessarily on the teacher or on uh, their parents. So, for example, um, in Japan. You ask a question to the, to the uh, students, they don't say anything, right? It's that sheen, that no one says a word. But here you ask a question, the, the normal, kind of the bell curve will answer. You'll have those real loud mouths. You'll have some who are introverts and they don't answer. But they're all thinking about it. In Japan, the students, I understood it to be that they didn't, really answer because they didn't want to be wrong. They were waiting for the teacher's answer. They wanted to be the right, told. They, they wait for the right answer. Yes. So what is the- with, with, with that, yeah, yeah, that, that right answer aspect yeah. of it, how does that, or has it so far, because you know, it's a process, how has it changed the way that you teach? Oh, but um, here? But, th- or, but here they're it, not. Yeah. I mean, here versus Japan. So, yeah. for example, you're teaching a Japanese class where you just anticipate that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the question is like, well, you know, hey, how much is two plus two? I was like, as you said, she, nobody raises her hand. Everybody knows the answer. Nobody answers. In in a, in a class here in Mexico, you ask class how much is mm-hmm. two plus two. He's like, oh, four, 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 six, three, four, two, whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. But does it, have you been able to adjust the way that you present the questions or teach the class to fine tune it for that different kind of audience? I'm Speaking not- of audiences, we do have that audience of the dogs. I apologize, yeah. but it's Mexico. <laughs> dogs and roosters, they're and, everywhere. And so. church bells. <laughs> Church bells, but we have no church bells here, and I have Not more here. roosters in my neighborhood in, in Chicago than we have here. Yeah. But but we do have the dogs. <laughs> yeah, sorry, um, status dogs. But uh, I don't think 
I've changed a whole lot of how I, I teach by asking questions. I've always done that. I try and have active learning, getting the students involved to you know varying degrees. But one of the things here definitely is the students are just more involved. And so they're engaged. Be- because, so that's a yeah, big difference. Because yeah. of that, probably the one thing I've changed is I've actually demanded that everyone be involved. And now I I love introverts. I understand completely. Yo. Um, people, yes, I love you. And you're <laughs> somewhat introverted, yes. Um, and, you know, reticent students and students here, of course, they don't want to be wrong. I mean, that's human nature. Um, but here um, they are more willing to take a risk. And so here the one thing I probably changed in that aspect is I ask a question, um, I'll be doing some drills on some vocabulary or uh, vocabulary, um, I just said that, vocabulary building, pronunciation, something, and I will ask everybody's mouths to move. Everybody say something. And I'll make sure that at least most of the time, most of the students say something, and even if it's a mistake. And I do a lot of metacognitive things with them. So, well, you know, you don't always know if the loud mouth has the right answer. And, you know, if everybody's talking, then the people who make a mistake will get drowned out. So don't worry about it. Just make a mistake. Just say something. It builds synapses. So I do a little bit more of that metacognition to encourage them to make mistakes. Whereas maybe I gave up with the Japanese. I knew that they just wouldn't talk. And I would select people or randomize um, answering and things like that. Yeah, the way the way that I described that was like that, you know, they kind of teach the teacher how they yeah, yeah. need to be taught. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, it's like, you know, you're, you go in there and you have like, all these ideas about how you're going to make them do this. And it's like, you know, just as often they're going to teach you what they're capable mm-hmm. of or what they're willing to or try to things but <laughs> and it's just like it's a small thing is that you just talk about like your your, your uh, the students here in mexico it's they're, they they're more willing to take a risk well in mexico it's a smaller risk yes <laughs> it's a that, that that's a significant difference right because in japan it's like yeah you have like one kid who's going to like answer every question and it's like that's going to be the most unpopular kid in the classroom by week three yeah, um, and you're just setting yourself up for all kinds of bullying things. Whereas here, I'm again, I'm guessing mm. that that dynamic really doesn't apply. No, they don't. They don't care if it's like, oh, thank God he answered. I didn't have to. Um, <laughs> but um, one of the things, maybe another difference, is I do do a little bit more error correction. Um, I'm of the school that Uh, I, you know, you don't correct mistakes, all of the mistakes. Oh, you know, you don't want to inhibit and all of that. But here, very gently, very gently, actually doing more error correction. Um, Certainly, I try and do it politely. Or if it's, you know, individualistic, I will take the individual aside. I mean, if if the the opportunity arises, um, that I definitely do more here, where I wouldn't want to inhibit them because they're so easily <laughs> Because they're already in so inhibited. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that risk-taking here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah. That idea. I was going to run with the risk taking and mm. tying that into inhibitions yes. and error yep. correction. Yes. Yep. That yep. I do almost zero error correction in my classes. And yeah. In yeah. Fact, I, as I did. Yeah. I, yeah. I did me too. Little. Yeah. Me too. Right. And when students <laughs> hey, are, if you're speaking, if you're making noise, that's yeah. Great. <laughs> Anything. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and one of the things that I've done is that I don't observe, like, for example, when students are doing group presentations or group discussions, mm. I might walk around very quickly through the room, mm. just to make sure everything's going smoothly. But I would never stop and listen to a uh -huh, conversation. Yes. Yeah, right? here I do. And yes, and when I've taught some international students, I uh, was doing a master's program uh, mm -hmm. where you know students were coming over, and I would always say that it's this is so different because they would talk over each other, yeah. they would <laughs> interrupt each other yeah. and make comments, and. I've said, you know, I just have to get used to this. I'm sorry, my, my, my brain is not <laughs> used to processing multiple, you know, student speakers at the same time. So you find that you're doing more error correction. How about mm -hmm. um, and engaging with the students when they're doing group work or providing feedback to mm -hmm. them? Not necessarily error correction, but just general feedback. Do you do more of that in, you know, your situation now? Well, let me first say that they talk over me, too. Which I find is a great thing. I, I'm must all be so about. refreshing. It is. It is. And I actually encourage that. So, I mean, I don't have my ego or any problem with that at all or control issues. I'm happy. But it is it is pretty funny sometimes. And they'll... And I, I do ask students to correct my mistakes. You know, what is the date today? I'll say the wrong date or something like that. And they'll be, oh, sensei, sensei. Oh, that's another thing. I ask them to call me sensei, not professor. Um, but we can go into that in a second. So that idea of them encouraging them and building that confidence is something I do uh, a lot. Sorry, what was the question? I got waylaid with my. Do you sensei find thing. yourself get, giving more feedback ah. when you're going when students are doing group work or discussions or presentations? I'm one of those that gives a lot of feedback regularly, uh, even the my midterm exams that uh, we just did this past week, I allow them to be involved in the correction of the exams. We also have 10 to 15 minutes, depending upon the class, where at the end of the exam, they don't submit it, but they just talk to each other. And it's a learning. They can um, use their notes, they can talk, they can help each other as long as they're not just giving the answers. And I walk around and I'll say, no, you know, I'm, maybe rethink that. Go back to your notes on week six. I'm kind of that sort of a teacher where at, at least at this level, I'm not interested in the right or wrong of their answer. I am interested in them learning and building that confidence. Um, as far as like group work and things, the biggest problem, but it's, again, it's here and, and Japan is the same. You'll get one guy who does, well, I'll do number one and two. You do number three and four. That's not what I mean by group work. <laughs> but those things are kind of similar. Um, I don't think I've changed too much specifically based on the students for that. And then how about assessing learning? 
is that similar or different, you know, in terms of trying to figure out what students have learned, how much they've learned, have they learned what you've, you know, wanted them to learn? Well, I had a fantastic master's program at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, where I had a fantastic class on test uh, test writing, is that what it's called? Assessment. Um, And then also how to do curriculum and things like that, all of those classes. So I already felt pretty confident in that. It's, um, no, I haven't really changed any of that. Um, Again, the students have their needs. Those might be different. Um, Certainly what the students need here, the type of grammar, etc. But the actual assessment of it, I haven't personally changed much okay so you're using a variety of tools and those are similar to the tools you used in japan yeah 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 okay individual group um i use a lot of multiple choice for just training i use a lot of verbal things drills uh where i don't assess Uh, but one thing i have continued from japan to here is at the moment my class starts, 8 o'clock, 9.30, whatever time, there's a quiz. And that catches out a lot of students. Um, but that's, again, nothing that I've changed. Okay. Can I say uh, one thing about my uh, sensei remark? Sure. So here, um, again, this is a... An, an American university, but <laughs> it's it's Mexico. So a lot of the students call us teacher as a title. Teacher, teacher. And the Japanese would do that too. And that was kind of one of the fun things I would do. I would say, gakusei, gakusei. <laughs> and here I say, student, student, just to kind of make them aware. Uh, but when I started here, we were informed as an institution uh, to make sure our students called us professor so-and-so. I've never particularly liked being called professor. And one of the things that has cha- uh, that is different here, I've specifically requested my students not to call me professor. They can call me sensei. They can call me Allison. They can call me anything except late to dinner. But I don't like professor here because of the cultural significance of it. Two things. First of all, there's a a confusion in Spanish what the difference between teacher, maestro, and professor, profesor. In Span in Mexico at least, they're the same thing. So they'll talk about their professors in kindergarten. So I teach them, well no professor is at least in English at the tertiary level. So they get that confused, uh, again, in English. Um, but the university professors here, culturally, in my experience, well, it's not even just university, status here matters. Titles here matter. Diplomas here matter. And it matters where you got them from. And so, so there's a, that's the same in Japan, though, right? Uh, yeah, everywhere. Wait, 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 wait. No, not okay. everywhere. In Japan, it's seniority. Yes, of course, there's status of where you work or where you graduated. Yes, but no, it's hierarchy. It's age. Age, age, age. And age works 
both for and against you in Japan. Here, it's not about age. It's more of a meritocracy, but that that concept of who you are, the discrimination, the the economic and socio gaps culturally in the country are vast. The poverty levels here are quite shocking. And I don't deal with any of that on a daily basis, but I have experienced in my, in my travels here that idea of if you are a professor. And I don't like the <laughs> snooty woody, I don't know how to say it any better, concepts of what the word professor means. I guess it would be the same thing in the States or Canada or someplace. Well, oh, you must call me doctor. That's fine. Yeah, and I've, but, I've had that, ex- that experience in, in Japan. Yes, yes and, you have. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I won't say his name. Nope. Rest in peace. Yeah. But yeah, call me Professor yeah. Latrec. But um, the it's a it's a little bit different. Yeah. Like in because Japan is a very hierarchical society, and it is. All about levels and uh, yes. hierarchy. And your experience was not, a foreigner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, he, he he latched on to that aspect of it because it benefited him. Yeah. But um, Mexico, very much, uh, to, to may, maybe to many people's surprise, very much a caste society. That's the word. Uh, That's what I'm trying yeah, to yeah. say. It really is a caste society. And uh, when you... Just like if you, like for for example, you go to like like I don't know what like you go to Quebec and the Protestants and the Catholics and then, or Ireland or you know, you know the obvious obvious example is India or whatever. Mm-hmm. But or the interesting and the very yeah in England very much class society yeah, yeah yeah like House of Lords House of Commons which are back from my classroom uh, uh, things to talk about. Um, the differences in in you know pictures, you know world image, world views mm-hmm. uh, of how the world works and things, and and how it ties in with the language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the different ways that you know, you talk to, you know, like a you know, senpai kohai in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, and the different you know verb forms that you have, and you know whatever's going to happen with the Latinate languages with gender, right? Because now in, you know you're speaking English. There's for me like the the really you know kind of like infuriating pronoun discussion, but like how are you gonna what are you gonna do when you're speaking French or Italian or Spanish, um, where you know every, every, you know a pencil has a gender, um, well, what, what's that gonna do? But uh, the, the the idea of yeah and here in Mexico, the it's very much uh, a caste. Society, and, and and like kind of you know as it does implies groups hierarchical groups, but in, in Japan, it's not necessarily hierarchical groups, but it's a very very definite hierarchy. Whatever you're talking about, what you're talking within a, a company, we talk about in in a classroom, in the society, and, and and so forth. It's and that's built into the language too. You know, if mm. you don't know where the two individuals are in a ladder. You really 
are not sure how you should be speaking to this person because everything changes. The verb changes. The pronouns change. Everything changes depending on where you are on the ladder. Um, and But here, yeah, very definitely it's a caste thing. And I think a lot of people are surprised by that. And in Japan, even with this hierarchy, not caste, but hierarchy, Right. It's it's not a caste because they're all Japanese. They're all Japanese. It's the hierarchy within the group, but they're still a homogenous group. Here, it's it's not. It's the indigenous people. It's the poor people. It's the people from the south. It's the people from the countryside versus people from Mexico City. Um, it is more diverse. And with that goes a lot more discrimination against those people who are not um, basically have Spanish blood in them. Um, a lot of discrimination against the indigenous people. And that really echoes in education throughout Mexico uh, before at the tertiary level, before my level. Um, and that is seen and I feel it. I don't feel it directly, but I really look at it in my classrooms. Uh, also, inordinate amounts of gender inequality here, similar to Japan. Thank you. You keep going down on the rankings. Mexico's a little higher in gender equality in government and things, but Mexico also has the, one of the highest rates of femicide uh, in the world. So those are things that I notice or have noticed, and I make sure to not let my students promote those things. We want equality. We want um, not to discriminate against uh, other people. So yeah, I prefer being called sensei even here and definitely not being called professor. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a nice way to remove yourself from the existing grid of things and freeing freeing that up in a way and like, like removing yourself out of that i think that that's a very nice um tactic uh we're running kind of running can out i of just time, say something real quick yeah, yeah allison i can't believe that you turned down the opportunity to be called maestro ah. <laughs> <laughs> or shihan no i i, 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 I can't believe that. that i can't believe that i've what, been like what focused on that? that for the last what few movie years. is that with the maestro thing yes that's right now oh jesus yeah anyway. leonard bernstein is that it yeah anyway. i just i just yeah, yeah, had no, to say you know, that sorry this was way way before but it was like it's a it's a fairly obnoxious actor and he insists on me calling maestro but it's like it's, it's he, i think he, he the actor himself was in animal house I'm dating myself. Yeah, yeah anyway. not not the movie that is currently in theaters. So. No, 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 no. <laughs> not, not the Bernstein movie. No, no, no. But, uh, of John one of the Belushi. Things, no, it, well, that that movie, but it's not John Belushi. But it's one of the bad guys, and it's something. But he, in a later movie, insisted that he be called Maestro. Yeah, um, and he was equally obnoxious. Yeah. But anyway, that that that's beside the okay. point. Anyway, but I, I think one of the interesting that. things, very very specific classroom type things. Um, that I think, and I don't know the answer to this because we haven't talked about it, but um, the no, the idea of attendance, because mm. I know you, 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 <laughs> I, I hear you every day, eight o'clock classes <laughs> talking about the attendance issues. But the idea is like in Japan, 
many, 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 many students. The idea is like, how can you fail me? I attended every class. Yeah. Oh, that's the same. I, I I attended every class. How can you fail me? So it's like just showing up is enough. Whereas, dot dot dot. No, that's the Allison. same. That's the same. Really, it's the maturity level. It's it's uh, okay. it's really. A, I, I get, thought there would be a bigger difference. No, no. Um, I, but again, as an individual per teacher, um, I didn't. Let my students get away maestro. with that in Japan. <laughs> maestra. Maestra. Yeah. Uh, um, as an individual professor, I didn't let my Japanese students get away with that. That's why I had the quizzes at, you know, on the hour. I was just like the Shinkansen. It was like, oh, tick, 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 tick. Okay, time for your test. I do that here too. Um, so I did not give my students any opportunity for them to think in either country that not being here exactly on time is even an option. But <laughs> surprisingly, I guess, because we do think of Japanese as being more punctual, uh, we also think of Mexicans as being less punctual, a little fluid, <laughs> monochromatic. Time, time uh, mono, fluid, yeah. Yeah, monochronologic. Uh, chronolo- oh, I'm not saying it right. Or polychronic. No, that's not. Anyway, Um both were the same. You would have students who were kind of slinking in at three after uh, or five after, and the quiz is done. It's done, and they've lost those points. So that's not different. But I would say a greater number of Japanese were actually there before the class. They had their, well, they didn't have their computers open, but they were ready. They had their notebooks, and they were ready to engage for the quiz. Here, they're coming in at eight o'clock, trying to scramble to get to the quiz before it's over in three minutes. Um, but they're learning. They're learning. <laughs> but that's actually the same. <laughs> One of the things... Uh, is, it, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. No, no. One of All right, things, I'll say something. <laughs> <laughs> you first. <laughs> I just w- want to get this in because we're running out of time, Allison, so I hope mm-hmm. you don't mind if I shift... To shift topic. shift away um attitudes towards um you know using other people's materials oh yes you know, plagiarism which oh my god you know, tony and i have discussed so much and oh, teachers in japan always complain go could you give us a a brief explanation description of that with, with your experience there again people are people the people who cheat anywhere in the world for their various reasons. Um, Because again, the students that I have, we've got, I have a dyslexic student um, who uses AI because he's desperate. Uh, He was my student three semesters ago. He is now somebody else's students, but I'm um, one of the coordinators of our writing lab. And so I get all of these students. I'm also uh, one of the coordinators of our academic review committee who reviews cheating and who makes guidelines for things. And I have met this poor boy many, many times. And finally, he and I are getting to a place that he is learning not to cheat. But it's taken three semesters, and he's doing it out of desperation. 
Then you've got my students, one who I call Mr. Slick, another I call Mr. Slippery, and they have cheated. And I noticed it in my class. I told all of their professors, um, and they still cheat in all of those professors' classes. It's rampant if they think they can get away with it. And I would say that that is no different anywhere. We have very quickly our academic review committee made rules for all of the professors to follow uh, guidelines. So we're all on the same page. We try not to let the students know how we know who, how we know that they cheat or how we think we can guess. And I get a lot of professors coming to me, and this is a self-imposed job as the academic review committee who will bring me, uh, a writing, um, even if it's not in an English class, but a history or economics. And it's like, um, Sensei, can you please look at this? What do you think? And it's like, yep, I'm sure it's AI. And I have always preferred, let me be the bad guy. Professor, you be the good guy. You send the student to me. I will gently question the student and also gently explain how this is inappropriate. Mr. Slick and Mr. Slippery, fourth, fifth semester students, they'll soon be fourth or fifth year students, eighth year students at this rate. It's just their personality. They're, they're compulsive. They can't help themselves. But most students learn after once or twice getting caught. But we've had yeah. to make just all the rules. It's horrible. <laughs> well, I'm thinking more of the Japanese attitude towards plagiarism. It's no where, different. Okay, because a lot of my students don't understand that it's wrong to copy. Right. And we teach that too. We teach them it's not right. It is a different it is a different understanding, I have to say. I, I agree with you. But yeah, it's I think maybe our students learn it how do I say, if you say it's not appropriate, it's unethical, you know, they do it once or twice. And here they'll go, yeah, you're right. It's unethical in Japan. They'll still go, but why? I guess maybe, maybe like, like me put it on a scale. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm getting really ping pong here. Sorry. But if you put like, for example, uh, the Chinese yeah. students at one in the spectrum, the U.S. students at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, I don't know if that's even accurate. And the Mexican students kind of somewhere in the middle. In terms of what we consider plagiarism and where we draw the line in things, um, one society is a lot more permissive about it. One is much more strict about it. And uh, there's a lot of different countries and cultures that are somewhere in between. And maybe? Mexico is somewhere in between. Um, that's that's what I wanted. Uh, yes. What I would think, but I really no. well. According I'm kinda, to I'm talking out, you know, talking no, out. I think that you are really correct. Um, again, because we are an American university in one way, a lot of the professors, when we talk to the students about plagiarism specifically, and as we have written in our handbook, and um, as again the academic review committee, we made a a blurb for everyone's syllabi, uh, so we share the same blurb. It basically uses the American concept of zero tolerance, where yeah, in Mexico, the president of Yale. 
Pardon me? <coughs> Unless you're the president of Yale. Oh, or the president of the country. Harvard. <laughs> no, or the president of the country. The, oh, yeah. The president. Yeah, not, yeah, song lyrics. and Yeah, yeah, it's long history. Yeah. The, the country, sorry, the president here of Mexico, a president, not the current president, uh, a couple of presidents ago, um, was very well known for having plagiarized several things. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about the U.S. I thought it was no, about no, Mexico. President Biden. President Biden also was found to have plagiarized when he was running for president a number of years ago. I've never heard that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but definitely the president here is well known for that, um, as are a few politicians who continue to hold stature and status and political positions here. So, yeah, it's not as um, one end of the spectrum as maybe China. Um Japan is just, they are changing. They are learning about this, plagiarizing. Kindai, we had also a big thing about it, um, making sure students learned what that meant. Uh, but it took a lot of effort. Mexico, it's more of a kind of closer to Russia. It's like, well, everybody's doing it, and I can't stop them. So as long as I don't get caught, yeah, at least I'll try. Um, okay. A lackadaisical mentality. Yeah, good. I've got I've got two two things that I that, that I want to like get you to answer before we shut down and stuff. Um specifically cuz I cuz just because I know um you're teaching lots of reading and writing. Yep. Yep. And the the specific types of problems the students are having. How do they differ from the problems that the students in Japan had with reading and writing? Are they the same or are they kind of different? Well, linguistically, Spanish is so much closer to English. So the alphabet, etc., all of that just makes a lot of those things just far easier than uh, for the Mexican students than for the Japanese. However, the Japanese have a more rigorous, uh, uniformly rigorous education system. Uh, throughout Japan, I mean, where here it's really spotty. It's really, really yeah. spotty, um, depending if he went to public or private schools. Um, so, ouch. Uh, but in general, things like grammar, Mexicans, uh, sorry, not Mexicans, but Spanish speakers tend to use very long sentences with a lot of clauses and more clauses yeah, and the commas. Run on sentences, and, yeah. yeah, the run-on sentences. And they'll be like paragraphs that's just a <laughs> sentence and it's all commas. And they, of course, then do that in English. That is probably the hardest grammar uh, thing to... That's a big to, difference. Yeah. yeah, is to get them to use periods, um, Comma splices. I never, I never had to teach what a comma splice was before in my life. Um, a lack of subjects. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, um, it's like Japan, though. Well, I was just going to say, Japan, Japanese language, often cuts the subject, as does they Spanish. Put, just put in it. <laughs> but, 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 but. It is but, happy today. It, but, <laughs> so Japan cuts the subject, but. The verb is not related to the subject, where in Spanish, mm. yeah. they cut the subject, but the verb will tell you what the subject is. Hint. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Right? It'll be like, 
nosotros bebemos. So if you cut the subject, you can still understand what the subject uh, is. Uh, right, right. So right. when they cut the subject in English, and they do it a lot, they're not compensating because we don't with the verb. Um, so I was surprised at the lack of subjects in trying to get them to form a correct clause. Um, uh, of course, B and V pronunciation. Uh, that was my next question. Yeah. It was like in terms of like pronunciation, because I know you're a big proponent of yes. the you know, importance of pronunciation. No, um, how to teach it is, well, I'm a proponent of how to teach pronunciation, yeah, but... Right. Um, but yeah, like in Spanish, like the BV, and then obviously yeah. the obvious example in Japanese is the L and the R, mm-hmm. but... Are there others? Are there other interesting stuff? Maybe a story or something? TH, both theta and ev. But um, here, I don't um, know because there's so much more. There's so much more competent communicators that that Eh? pronunciation difference doesn't really affect. They they compensate for it, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's just they don't compensate. It's just not an issue where. The Japanese were a little more reticent. Maybe they not as full sentences. They wouldn't talk as much. Here, the context is full. You've got the low context or high context cultures, and Spanish is a lot more like English. We it's a low context culture. We ha- we tell everything, and in Spanish too. Where in Japanese, you can all often miss a topic or miss. A subject because it isn't spoken; it's meant to be understood, and so pronunciation might make more of an impact. Where here, yeah, I've I've corrected a couple of my students, th like turdy, and I'm like, no, you don't want to say something is a turd. Um, you know, ha 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 ha. <laughs> Where in Japan we could say, you know, shitty. You don't want to say Osaka shitty. <laughs> <laughs> shitty potato. <laughs> Well, it's it's curious because I asked because, um, like, interesting. Like, like my father English was his second language. He's he's Mexican, and like my brother and I would always like try to teach him the difference between the B and the V because his hometown was in in, spell it L A B A R C A La Barca. But yeah, but but when he said it was La Barca. Mm. It's like right in between the B and the V, and it's uh-huh. like pa. It's like, and then my mother was <laughs> Polish. Um, she was born in the United States, but eh, very I, Polish. I know, raised but bilingual, and her ths for all her life were like yeah. ts. Yeah, she couldn't do the th. My father couldn't do the bs and vs. My mother couldn't do the ths, and so <laughs> I just see curious because, like, you know, you know, after teaching Japan for thirty years with the uh, L's and the R's and a couple of the other sounds. And, you know, my own personal experiences with the BV and the TH. <laughs> I'm just curious how you're dealing with that in the classroom. It's less of an issue. Less yeah, of an issue. Okay. Yeah, I, and, and I guess maybe because of the schools that I taught at in Japan, it was like, yeah, they're really just going to, I really don't, I don't really need to, to deal with that. You know, and, and sometimes it's just a physical thing because that too. we've all had the students in Japan with that tongue. The marble you mouth. Know, is it the marble, that, that big fat tongue that just can't, the muscle isn't there. It yep. just can't make that. There's less of that this, there. 
less of that yeah. here. But probably oh, of course, because, because the language because Spanish, so it's like yes. yeah. There's so much tongue in Spanish yes. going on that, like yes. that muscle is very well developed. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, well chuckles. Yeah, but, anything yeah, else? Yakuza, Yakuza in Japan too, right? Yakuza. <laughs> ah, the rolling of the R's. Yeah, the rolling of the R's here too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was Charles, just going to say that. Any? Yeah. Oh, just that both my parents were um, from Poland and immigrated to the United ah. States, and I didn't. Could know they do how the pronounce. th? I I didn't know how to pronounce th until I went to kindergarten because the kids oh. made fun of me because I would say mother, father, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, so wow. Yeah, so it's just interesting that way, and just you yeah. know, little things. Um, but I think we've kind of covered a lot of different things, Allison, and yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of an. You know, it's definitely interesting to see similarities and differences. And I mean, there's all sorts of other questions I'd want to ask, but maybe for another time. But thank you for, you know, taking the time to talk with us and share your ideas and your experiences. It's really appreciated. And I think the audience will, our audience will really appreciate it as well. It's yeah, a so fascinating Allison, any, place. Thank you. Any last over comments? Any last thing you want to add or something that we did that we missed? Um, well, you guys both asked me, you know, similarities and differences. And I have to say, overall, the students are almost the same. It's kind of hard to find what the differences are. So it's kind yeah, of it's I, cute that way. Yeah, I and I, just like from my very, very, I, I, I did do, um, I did some presentations at your university and I did uh, do a day of classes at your university and my overall impression uh, was I was struck by how similar mm. the experience was, the classroom vibe, uh, the student interaction. And, and it was different in all the ways that you would probably expect. There was like, you know, the, the students were like relatively like, you know, you know more casual, you know, the feet mm -hmm. up on a chair or something like that. Um, more questions after class, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Happy, uh, lively, talkative. Yeah, a little more animated, a little more animated. Animated, yep. This is the kind of the differences that you expect, but maybe not to the degree that you would expect. Yeah, really. And yeah. Uh, my, my impression was like, these kids are not so different. <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of the same. And it was, yeah, it was... It, I don't know. I don't say it was refreshing, but it was like, yeah, it was. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, it's like, okay, I could, I can swim in these waters. I, <laughs> I could do this if I wanted to. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying my retirement, but yeah, it was, um, it was cool. It was fun, and, uh, uh, yeah, the the differences are significant, but more subtle than you would think, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for allowing me to uh to uh join you guys today. Well, thank you for 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 helping us out here. Yeah, really. Um, thank I you, think, Allison. Yeah, cuz it's it's a it's a window to a different world that, you know, like those of us uh teaching in Japan, t having taught in Japan, um uh, window to another universe, right? And uh, it's nice and comforting to know to hear that the kind of problems that people are facing in the Japanese classroom 
Or, you know, yeah. Share the misery. Yeah, universal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, good. Good stuff. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Allison. Thank you, Tony. Yep. And we have a wrap. Yep. Twoteachers.com. Two teachers at whatever. Everywhere. Nowhere. (laughs) Okay. Tony, Allison, thank you both and be well. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Adios. Yeah,